This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me, it's been a change in the schedule. It was meant to be a top half podcast this week, but unfortunately uh, couldn't get that organized in time. So uh, still lower half of the Premier League table podcast. Joining me to discuss that team that led us all down. Mr. Chris Budd, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Bottom half compared to top half. That's how I'm doing. Just mid-table mediocrity. This was mm. the week we were meant to rise. This is how it's do, built. Do, do, gradual improvement. Do, do, do. After Southampton, Leeds, it just looked like we were taking care of business. But as a few people pointed out, I thought a bit negatively, those games were decided on moments. So maybe we, we were just being lucky to string two wins together. I didn't necessarily agree with that because I thought we were very resilient. And I thought that was... Mm-hmm. Uh, part of our makeup now but oh jesus christ it's Re- not is it no Re- relapse <laughs> relapse into coma <laughs> weird game though right so anyway coming up in the show we will discuss uh, that with immediate effect after the villa news before looking at the usual sections medium muppets the three points and emery's clipboard how are you gents up to anything exciting? Phil, I, I watched uh, the third episode of uh, The Last of Us. Oh, did you? Yeah, not bad. It's it's uh, it, it's one of those where you expect that kind of style of show, maybe, I don't know, eight and nine shows in once the world's kind of established and then you go into these kind of minute, smaller stories to continue uh, building the world. So it was interesting that it was... How, how does that relate to the actual game? That's what well, I didn't understand. It was a bit of a, bit of a deviation. The actual canon, as in the relationship between the two of them, was as it is in the game, but you only get hints of it. So yeah, basically, right. yeah. So one's still alive and then they find the other one hanging somewhere. So you, I was sort of hoping towards the end that there would be like sort of a callback to that, but no. I'm, I'm assuming the show keeps jumping back and forwards in time. Mm, I think we're in for an action-packed one next time. Ooh. So there you go, folks. If, am I getting paid for this? No, I'm not. Why am I talking about this show? <laughs> it's just because I was so uh, eyes rolling when I saw all the uh, the hyperbole uh, pullout quotes, and then I watched the first couple, and I thought well, it's it's not this kind of second coming show. So uh, so now uh, we will reset and just watch it as a normal show, and yeah. uh, there's no need to mention it on the show uh, again. Yeah, it's like it's like the Kamara of TV programs, isn't it? Oh oh, 
I was waiting for the first mention of Kamara. I thought we were saving that one for his, his own segment in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if he slept uh, Saturday night. Probably having a few nightmares of his own. All right, uh, I've, I've, I'm still recovering uh, from what I was up to uh, from a quick trip to Dublin, but more of that in the, the Something for the Weekend show. If you haven't listened to it, I'm not going to go into that again. <laughs> for good reason. Probably best. Right, as we always say, it's time for some news to kick off the show. Shall we uh, talk about the uh, shooting down of the Chinese spy balloon? Or was it a weather balloon? Or uh, the Villa News? The, the, the balloon that was popped like the Villa Park atmosphere. Mm, let's Ooh. go for the Villa News. Ooh. Was it a weather balloon or was it a spy balloon? There's two sides oh, to the story. it was a story. spy balloon. It was a spy <laughs> balloon. Austin McPhee said pitch balloon. <laughs> Miles, of course. <laughs> Allegedly. Right, uh, time for some Villa news then. As we mentioned in the last show, well, something for the weekend, we briefly uh, touched upon Burton Traore coming back, which I thought was a sensible move because bad winder for uh, getting value. So assess what you've actually got. We need a winger. Gerard either axed them or them all out on loan. Sold them is a rough, rough translation for axing. So Traore was still on the books. The statistics out there in terms of goals and assists per minute, he's right up there in terms of the last couple of seasons for Aston Villa. Mm. Does that does that say how good he is or how bad we've been? I think he's number one, if wow. I'm remembering correctly. Well, well, Bank's a book then. Yeah. If you cast your minds back, he was very unlucky with the injury he picked up because it mm-hmm. was in the game to get fitness, like the behind closed doors friendly against Liverpool, where he scored and then picked up their injury and he never right. recovered. Yeah. So, in terms of what was he worth bringing back? Well, the stats themselves say minutes per goal contribution 181, then it's Bailey 222, then it's Coutinho, then it's Buendia. So that gives you uh, an insight into, you could say he does have impact. We're, we're presuming that he's only starting from the bench. So uh, if you're coming off the bench, then uh, you, you need to have at least some uh, evidence of impact. So they've weighed up the market. There's obviously been people have been interested in whether they could get them, whether it was at the value, uh, the price that they would have thought acceptable. And just they just thought, well, they're no better than uh, Truro and we've already got him. And, you know, they're obviously paying the percentage of his wages still. So it just makes sense. All in favour, raise your hand. Aye. Aye. Phil Shaw, any reservations? No, not or for are, the... are we being revisionist here? No, I think if you're going onto the market, unless you're dropping, what, 50 million for it to be a, an A-lister, build your team around winger, I don't think you can do that much better. And you'd be crazy to build a team around a winger as well. Well, we've tried that. <laughs> I have a good point, actually. <laughs> In terms of uh, people going out, there's no need to really repeat them. I mean, Marvis Nakamba was the guy that was kind of missing from uh, Emery's whole uh, battle plan. He wasn't even featuring on the bench, was he? He's turned up to Henry Lansbury's Luton. What a midfield pairing. Yeah, just think I might even get a season ticket now <laughs> down in Luton. Hopefully they play alternately from Villa, their home games. Augustusson went to Real Mallorca. He was on the bench and this weekend uh, they beat Real Madrid. It's going to be party time for a minute. I would have been surprised if he was playing and they beat Real Madrid, put it that way. <laughs> Imagine if he scored. 
Uh, meanwhile, at uh, Villa Park, I think I gave you one of the first heads up on this, the Tap and Go Holt Bar in the Lower Holt, which correlates to, is it Amazon Fresh? Uh, I think they're mainly in London, where you just walk in, pick whatever you want, walk out, automatically all the cameras in there tracks it and you know debits whatever card you're using. Similar thing where you can just walk in, tap your card, walk in, pour yourself uh, a drink, pick up whatever you want, and then uh, walk out and it automatically does the transaction for you. And I put it up on Facebook just because I was, I mean, there I was in the hole. There was a few minutes going to uh, half time before all hell broke loose. I was thinking, right, we're back in the lead now. That Kamara fuck-ups, surely it's going to be a one-off. I'm going to see if I can get down to the lower hole. Because I keep hearing Chris talking about, oh, I was down in the lower hole. I, you know, I started off in the lower hole. I went to get some food in the lower hole. And I'm always presuming the he lower meant level the, of the, upper. the lower hole. But it turns out no. he always, he was referring to a low, the lower level of the upper hole. So while I was looking for any tradesman ex- exit or the service whatever, Service, steps service hatch, escalators, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't happening in the hole. But every time I walked past the screen, Leicester scored. So I didn't get a bird eyes view of this uh, new futuristic setup in the lower halt. So, but I put it out on Facebook, and this is after a defeat. People weren't moaning. People were saying actually it works, and it was all good. Everyone was desperate for a positive, I suppose. No, they're not. No, no Villa fans <laughs> desperate for a positive. When it comes, when you say somebody, what's your opinion? Constructive Embrace opinions. Embrace the negative. They will give you the dark side first. So there's one positive in the Villaverse. So moving on, uh, Aston Villa women's. You probably have to headline it and say they missed out on an opportunity against Brighton to try to firm up a grip on that fifth place. They were 1-0 up, had a few chances, but 16 minutes to go, conceded an equaliser. Meanwhile, uh, unlike Arsenal fans voting Arteta as manager of the month, Villa women's manager Carla Ward won manager of the month for January in terms of the women's Super League, and Rachel Daly won player of the month, so a Villa double there. Right, let's get into this Leicester game, shall we? Started off, bit of scarf whirling. Bit of twirling. Bit of twirling. Hopefully against Arsenal there'll be a bit more. This is something that everybody can bring. There's no arguments here if people don't like the certain banners that people make or whatever. It's just an easy, easy win, isn't it? To, yeah. uh, and it always looks pretty good when you get big numbers doing it. It does, it actually. Doesn't... It just reminds me of like continental footballs. Yeah. I was just going to say that the Italians do it brilliantly. Yeah, so many Arge- continental... Argentina as well. Argentina yeah, we've got so many continental players now that it would just, just add something. And it's easy to do every game. Just need to kind of grow it, don't you? Make it become the norm. Yeah, and also it gets people into people are going, oh, it's artificial, it's visual. It's like, no, no, no. You, everything needs to work in sync to create an atmosphere. And if you're whirling the scarf, that means you're actually fundamentally made a decision to, I am getting involved here. And it will, you know, lead you to getting more uh, involved in the game. Anyway, so uh, first 10 minutes... I mean, we missed a couple of chances, and then once we scored, I thought we should be in the top half now because you're looking at the yeah. uh, situation. You're seeing Wolves handing Liverpool's ass to them. Chelsea had dropped points, hadn't they, the night before? Yeah, yeah. And you thought oh, we're actually taking advantage of a situation here, playing a team that hasn't won this year, and then after being declared the second coming and being. <sighs> immense against Leeds in terms of under pressure, even in his own 18-yard box, getting it out of danger. Kamara was having his pockets picked left, right and centre, and the first one was a howler, and we were one all. Yeah. Absolutely shambolic, and any player of any level shouldn't be uh, 
getting done like that. Obviously, he must have been reading Twitter after that Leeds game and then uh, decided he was playing in, I don't know, the Brazilian 1982 team or something. Uh, there was an air of casualty about him and it was almost, you know, he felt embarrassed for him. And that wasn't that wasn't the last of his crimes either. By the way, forgot to mention the Watkins finish. Good improvised finish. Great finish yeah. that one, wasn't it? Good effort for, by uh, Buendia as well. Buendia was was pretty much front line and centre of anything good we were doing in the first yep. half. Yeah, agreed. He had a, he had a good sort of a lot more good moments in the game. Whereas the last few, he's kind of been sort of um, a quite a frustrated figure, hasn't he? He's been trying things and they haven't quite come off. Yeah, he was definitely the orchestrator in this game in the first half. Yeah, and then uh, Watkins pumped up by uh, his opening goal. It's quite funny as somebody very close to me was slagging him off. I think Watkins might have had a chance earlier on and he said, oh, it's so frustrating. Watkins, he needs so many chances. And then he scored and he was like, ah, and everybody was like tapping, tapping this fan on the back of the head. It's like, you know, it's like a friendly community. So it's not like some person just fucking moaning and then uh, then he scored again albeit it was credited as an og but this is what happens when you're when you're a striker with a bit of uh, confidence and you got your mojo then you, you try things and and luck sometimes goes in you know goes your way yeah yeah there was a little there was a little piece actually that came out on the sunday morning and um I think it might have been Saturday morning, actually, but I read it Sunday morning. And it was, a, and, and basically Watkins had been talking about what Emery had been telling him, obviously, post Gerard, Because, you know, we've all given him credit for sort of working really hard, but it's like sometimes you just need him in the box, be in the penalty area. And actually, the, the last couple of games, he scored what you'd class as proper strikers goals, especially the, the one against Leicester was a proper number nine style goal rather than drifting out on the wing all the time. Yeah, but at 2-1, you're thinking, okay, Kamara's brain fart was a one-off and now because we we were good at you know we were creating chances oh we hit the bar hadn't we and Watkins had had that chance that was we should have buried but he was unlucky I think I think I hadn't hadn't seen it Phil said he had it the keeper tips it into his other foot and you're just thinking as long as they keep this kind of intensity and they keep their heads we should see this out because I mean as I said on the something for the weekend I'd you know seen Leicester against Forest recently terrible I mean, defensively against Villa, they were there for the taking, weren't they? Even when yeah, we were just three, four, two down, we were still like causing problems. And in this game, you just thought this is up to Villa to win. It's almost Leicester. Whatever Leicester do, it's up to Villa to win here. And and you also you're factoring in the resilience shown against Southampton and Leeds, and you're thinking, well, if you want to take your foot off the pedal here, then you could you know you could even see it out that way. But oh no, no. I mean, it's it's uh, it's hard to explain what happened uh, before half time. I mean, I it, it is very hard to explain. I mean, there, there's a couple of things like before that. I mean, it's almost as if they, they didn't follow through with their convictions. I mean, in the first ten minutes, Bailey had their twenty year old left back Christensen on on toast, and as they would say. But then Christensen hit him with a couple of tackles, and then Bailey didn't take him on the rest of the game. What you're talking about reducers? Yeah, oh yes, he, he hit him with a couple of those. But that that that's just sort of like a theme of Villa. They didn't follow through in their convictions. It's like they, they didn't they didn't break Leicester's spirit at all. They always there was always like giving them through mistakes, giving them a, an opening here and opening there, and then the second goal came. Do you think it's complacency? It's like, again, it just comes back to they don't expect the worst to happen, and this was a game where the worst happened four times. I think you've got to give Leicester maybe a little bit of credit as well because I think their game plan was... Yeah, we'll get to that. But in terms of like complacency, uh, you know, are the players thinking, well, uh, Emery's like changed it around and we're good now? Because he said they were talking about if we win this, we go in the top half. Mm. Now, 
it could work two ways. It's it carrot, it's motivation, or it's also think, you know, you're looking at Leicester going, they're struggling. This is, you know, we should beat these and we should yeah. be in this top half. Have you already manifested it to happen and you you actually forgot about actually doing the, the work bit of it? I think there's yeah. a, there's a bit, there's definitely a bit of that. But like like Chris said, you you do give Leicester a bit of credit because I think Colm and Mash Club mentioned as well, Leicester's press was a bit more nuanced than you'd expect. It wasn't Leeds's chaos theory of pressing the guy that has the ball at every time. They like pressed the pivot man. That's what they did. They let Martinez have it, yep. didn't they? They let Martinez have it. They let Mings have it. They even let Konza and have it as well. It was the, the pivot man, whether it was Louise or Kamara, whenever they went back to take it, that's who they pressed. And the, the tackle, I think it was Dewsbury Hall, the, the win the ball off Kamara in that first one. I mean, Kamara did his little drop shoulder and burst between the two and he thought he was away, but Dewsbury Hall's like an extended reach in that tackle and he just hooked the ball away from him and that was it. Everybody talks about, oh, Emery does video analysis, lots of video analysis. All managers do that. And they'd been, you could tell Rogers had had them sitting down watching videos of Kamara and Louise and Villa playing out the back. And we're obviously talking about playing out the back here, which is causes a bit of uh, impatience on the, uh, on the whole 10, shall we say. But it's one of those things, if you, that's all you do all the time, then other opponents can study it. And since we're still learning it, apparently, they can uh, adapt to it. And, and as Phil said, it's exactly what they were doing. They'd studied Kamara. They'd studied uh, Louise. And Kamara, you know, he couldn't do his like little slinky ghost-like turns because they, they were waiting for him. Yeah, and it, was, it felt like the week before we did a number on uh, Ward-Prowse at Southampton where we put, obviously, Kamara, not necessarily man-to-man, but he was he took him out of the game, didn't he? And it felt like Madison almost did that to Kamara where he just sat right on top of him. Yeah. And put them sort of you know, pressured the ball, and it was it was a strange press because it wasn't. I didn't think they were being particularly aggressive. It was almost like like a half press, but they just held their shape and said to Villa, "Go on then." Tactical we think we press, think we, we, yeah, yeah, we think you're going to make a mistake, and we're just going to wait for it and pick you off. Because there was times where Martinez had the ball. None of the Leicester players wasted time chasing him down. They let him have it. Nope. There was one moment. I think uh, it was in the second half. I think they were three, three, two up, and he had the ball at his feet, and he didn't know what to do because they just basically clocked, blocked off all his options near him, and uh, he was just struggling. Uh, he was, you know, it's obviously not in uh, the playbook. No, he didn't know what to do. So they, then, Leicester did really well on it. You know, they they neutralised our playing it out the back. Yeah, you see, the, there's no point in closing down Mings or Konza because if you close down Mings, especially, he's just going to send it, you know, down the wing. That's what yeah. Mings does. They know that Kamara is not going to put, you know, he's not going to hoof it. He's not that sort of player. So, of course, that's the player you you press because he's always going to try and pass his way out of it or turn his way out of it. And I think there's something to be said for those kind of players. You look at Kante when he's at his best. They play on the half turn. The first goal came from Kamara playing with his back to to the to the pitch, essentially. He was facing his yeah. own goal. Um, and that's not the way you're meant to receive the ball. You, know, you, you learn that when you're, you know, youth football. Um, because you allow, you know, you, you, unless you've got eyes in the back of your head. Now, some people have that natural perception. He obviously just lost his radar on that one. But then it was weird because you could see what was going to happen because they they pressed on him once. You thought, they're getting close here, get rid. But he had the opportunity to release the ball. Didn't. You think, go on, just if it needs be, launch it. And he didn't. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. And you could sort of see it, everything went very slow-mo for a minute. <laughs> Break it down. They, they set traps. and Yeah, they did. Which fell straight into them. Multiple times to 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 an embarrassment level. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very predictable to be honest. And ultimately, you know, when they got when they got their chances in the first half, 
they, they mean they were and the, obviously the, the final they took them really well but they, they weren't exactly worldies were they the goals involved a lot of one on one with I mean, they Martinez they never are though are they really they ne- <laughs> they're never worldies Villa never concede worldies it's always just like head in hands moments you're like what most are of those doing? goals were Aston Villa with their pants down and suddenly yes. a Leicester player yeah. was one on one with Martinez <laughs> Shocking defending uh, where Mings is marking shadows and Lucas Dean's. No, that was a, that was the second. That's the second one. The second one. The 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 regular regular as clockwork Ian Acho goal against Villa that he always seems to get. Yeah, or always seems to get gifted. We always gift him stupid goals. If you look down the sort of historically, he gets tap ins and stupid mistakes because Villa just don't pay any attention to him. He did well against Kamara in the first one because he was he did. hovering for the second ball, anticipating obviously yep. what they'd planned. And they swamped him for the third one just before half time as well. It was kind of weird. It was almost like some of the the, the comments you'd made in pre season again after that uh, Man United pre season game where they just swamped him. Yeah, yeah. And it's like actually he's very good, but if you just get right on top of him, you know he's not a massive guy, is he? No, he's big enough and he can mix it, but he's not like a dominant player. Well, you've also got the other side of the coin is. His teammates think he's good on the ball, so they all kind of drop off, and they're anticipating a pass. Yeah, and when he, and when he's uh, ransacked, then he's he's got no help in there. There's suddenly three or four around Kamara, and his his ball's gone, and away they go. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. You, you notice that, especially for Teddy's goal, the third one, whenever Kamara goes down. I mean, Louise has no idea what's going on around him because Teddy's like, Louise is cl- far closer to Villa's net whenever. Um, Teddy, sorry, whenever Kamara loses the ball than Teddy is, Teddy starts to run there. Louise is actually going forward, expecting the pass from Kamara. Then Mings is the same. Mings is looking the opposite way. He doesn't see Teddy until the last minute. Then the ball's inside Mings. And again, one-on-one with Martinez, just round him and a decent finish again. People know how he's trying to play. And they take, you know, any decent manager will counter that. So what Emery has to be is a bit more fluid. But it's almost like he's currently programming the players and the the players don't have the data to shift the way they play so in this case they should have realized after that Kamara it's like oh shit they've kind of got us worked out we, we need to go a bit more uh, direct go to the channels whatever just mix it up become less predictable and it beca- not only does it become predictable because of the way we've tended to play recently nothing happens very quickly that's the difference when you see someone like you know City or prime Barcelona or these sorts of teams who can play their way out through a really high press out through the back and through the phases of the field. The ball moves quickly at the moment with Villa. It all is a little bit half speed, isn't it? It doesn't. Once you get through a team's press quickly, then you're onto them. Yeah, it's. Work, I mean, it's worked a few times. We've seen it working. The Man United game was probably the best example of it working. Mainly because Man United let us play through the phases, but you can't do it all the time because once, no. as as we've said with Leicester, they know what's happening. Then they you, they set traps for it, and you can't exactly say it didn't work against Leicester with the amount of chances that was created by doing it it's just yeah. mm-hmm. it's just the it's when to get rid of it it's when it's it's almost like when to do the unfashionable thing and just right kick it down just get it down the wing just get us a bit of space and we'll we'll try it again next time they don't seem to realize when the situation is, is too it's too tight for it just don't do it you know it's, it's playing the percentages because either way you're going to get an earful from the crowd it's kind of like what would you rather get an earful for for conceding or put it in rose ed yeah would be my argument play percentage football sometimes i think it's because we don't do anything with conviction yet yeah there's no trust there is there at the moment no that's <laughs> that's the thing we do we, we're the fans are kind of like we're gonna make a mistake we're gonna make a mistake and then when it happens you're like we fucking told you it would happen mm-hmm if you've noticed on Villa's social media output, especially connected to Emery, it's all about 
everything he says, the first thing he says pretty much all the time is, we, we are looking to build a connection with the supporters. Because, you know, somebody asked him uh, after the game, what, what was the team talk like at half time? First thing he said, we, we talked about building a connection with supporters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, are you going to give me a lift home in your Bentley? <laughs> It's like, uh, you know, you just lost two goals just before half time. I think that that connection with the supporters, well, what it really is in real terms, not just some kind of PR flim flam, is there needs to be trust in that team. Once you see that team playing out the back with, you know, with an air of professionalism and they look, they look like they know what they're doing, then you'll build trust and that, that will, yeah. uh, you won't get that kind of reaction of, yeah. You know, yeah, you want, you want that thing, um, like you said earlier, it was a bit like you know, the, the, the old teams that you know, you'd go to Old Trafford and it's like, oh, fuck, we're 1-0 down, game over. You want the yeah. opposition to be demoralised and the home fans to be like, right, well, we, you know, we've had the Kamara mistake, but we're two on up now, job done, we will win this game. Yeah. Yeah. Which you just don't, you know, you always think that we're only ever one mistake away from fucking up. It's fine margins, mm-hmm. but you've, they've got to go the right way. Yeah, and I think I've said it a lot of times recently. In the in the previous league games, certainly we'll take Stevenage out of the equation. You don't want to rely on luck, obviously, but I think if you do the simple things really well and you execute your plan well, your shape, etc., patterns of play, which they'll spend all week doing. If you execute that really well and you do those simple things well, you usually get that little bit of luck. We got a bit against Leeds, we got a bit against Southampton with the VAR things, but you earn that, and that's why you deserve it. That Leicester game, you think you're doing really simple things wrong. And I think if you concede four goals in that manner against anyone at any level of football, if you concede four at home, you don't deserve to win, however good you play with the ball going forward. The way we were playing at the start, we we got the look and that was the uh, the second goal. Yeah. So, you know, we were uh, getting a bit of look, uh, as, as you say, when you, you know, kind of deserve it. But then, I mean, the god of uh, the god of luck just said, right, that's it. Yeah, there's the goal that got chalked off in the second half. Well, exactly. The god of luck said, I'm, "You're taking the piss here, lads. I've just, yeah. you yeah. know, just given you that second one because of your conviction at the start. But you can't, you can't abuse it like that. So, sorry, but Coutinho's goal does not standing. It felt at that mm-hmm. point, you're like, oh, this is this just isn't our day here. Every time we make a mistake, we're getting punished, and we're not burying our chances. It, that's only going to end one way because it kind of felt going into the second half. It might be next goal wins. And you well, when that Coutinho goal went, went in, over. I thought, okay, we, we we can still get this one out of the fire. Yeah. yeah. What What was your I views on that? Because we'd, we'd have scored views, Phil. You You're obviously uh, in a better position to see if that was offside or not. It was one of those ones that y- you just didn't know. I mean, I'll be honest. You just you just don't know what way the rules going to be interpreted this week. But it was very similar to I think Liverpool's against Wolves, and then they might have had a refinement right. of the rules after that. So the ball went back out to Louise, who was offside. But because it wasn't a deliberate act by the defender, it was a judge to be offside. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things that if the referee had given it, or and it went to VAR and things like that, it might have been like what is they call them now a subjective offside, not not like a factual one. They might have had to go and have a look at it and see. But yeah. it just it just seemed to happen very quickly. There was a lot of things in the game that you thought if VAR have a look at that, somebody's in trouble here. Um, but no, it was it was a very fast paced game, and it was like, like all the decisions were fast paced as well, rightly or wrong. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. 
BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, I suppose for the neutral, it was probably quite an entertaining game. Loads of goals, loads of chances, but very infuriating. As I've always said on the show, Chris, we don't give a fuck about the neutral. (laughs) Half-time, it was very proactive. It was, Uh, to be fair. Off Luca Dean, we didn't we didn't speak about the uh, the lineup. Uh, that was probably the biggest surprise. Luca Dean straight in for a player that Emery greenlit, which uh, was and Moreno, had, and, and who had, I think had done reasonably well in his first yeah. couple of appearances. You thought, well, there's no reason to drop him. Obviously, learnt the error of his ways at half time, <laughs> <laughs> and made that swap very swiftly. And uh, Ramsey off as well. Who looked off the pace, to be fair. Was, that was the kind of game where you, you wanted a ball carrier in, the, in those sort of tight areas around the penalty area, and he just wasn't doing it in the first half. He just looked to off be the fair, pace, he, you know, there was one good ball carrier. You know, to uh, American fans, Ramsey a little bit like a running back in NFL, where mm-hmm. he gets the ball and he'll get you 10 yards. And he, yeah. you know, he did that once in the game, but it, just not getting involved enough, I don't think. Matty Cash came on for Ashley Young. I mean, Matty Cash's first pass up the line went off for a throw-in. I mean, he needs to... Uh, it's almost like he's passing... He, he needs a, like a private golf lesson, doesn't he? Because he's either shanking yeah. or hooking or... That's what I said. As crosses, he needs to take it down a club or two on his crosses, just yeah. you know, f- flopping it into the box. Don't be smashing it out. He looks just like he just doesn't have much confidence at the moment. Because you see when Bailey sort of gets the ball out of his feet and carries it, you're sort of longing for him to get involved or overlap like a proactive fullback would. Because I think that would actually open up the pitch for Bailey to kind of cut inside, etc. But is that under instruction... I don't know. Because we saw not... that under Gerard, didn't we? Because yeah. we were getting ball at diagonal ball over the top because Cash was really high up. Well, both our fullbacks were really high up. And we were getting done every time on the counter by that kind of cross mm-hmm. long ball. And then you notice that uh, Ramsey uh, and McGinn were like filling in as fullbacks. When those two bombed on mm-hmm. forward, they would sit back and they wouldn't join in the attack. And you know now I notice that over Casher Young was were holding back. They were holding their position like just inside of the uh, halfway line. So that's obviously instruction. Whereas Moreno's the opposite, isn't he? Yeah, Moreno really gets involved. I thought he was great. Probably in the second half, he's probably one of our better players. He's really, you know, he's really dynamic. He, and he's one of those players we haven't had for a while. He gets his head down and he gets to the byline. Be it flashes yeah. it across low or puts a cross in and hits a good area most of the time. Yeah. That he's has, like, I mean, that's one of the positives we take from this, well, this game and you know, his, his first two games as well. Yeah, well, Moreno's like what Cash is when he's high in confidence. 
they, they would mm-hmm. complement each other very well. But he's dynamic. Yeah, Cash's confidence, like you said, it's just on the floor. He needs to get the ball, and if he isn't back in his own crossing, he needs to sort of like drive into the box and see what happens. I mean, there's a lot to be said for just you know getting into those areas and seeing what what happens out of it. Yeah, and, and you can see, you know, if we get our acts together, you can see Emery will do, you know, what he used to do in Champions League games to protect Leeds. You know, you, you could have Lucas Dean playing left back and let's say Ashley Young right back and then you could bring on Moreno as a left-sided winger or you know Cash on the right-hand side but it gives you a bit more defensive solidity but also you're still potent going forward especially in the case of Moreno um, yeah I even think Moreno in certain games you could play him on like the left-hand side of the front three if you were playing a central striker and just get him really involved and say, well, don't worry about tracking back quite so much, just slot into midfield as like a five when we don't have the ball, but really get involved. So your fullbacks drop in to sort of become a midfield five, like a, a four, five, one when you haven't got the ball, but you can play him in a more advanced you know, role. Almost like, like where Gareth Bale used to play for Tottenham when he was, you know, he worked his way forward, didn't he? So bringing a close to this, what went wrong in terms of the resilience? Do you think it was just the timing of the game? Because you've seen how Emery battens down the hatches to uh, take the points on the board. Do you think mm-hmm. it was just because we were 2-1 up, well, 1-0 up and you know, three away, got back in the lead, but then if it, if it had gone in at half-time at one all, and Even then we'd all. scored... Then we'd scored after the break and went 2-1. I think better chance of us this game because I think Emery would have had that let's take the points on the board mindset to this. But I think it probably caught them on the hop a bit, the timing of Leicester's goals. Mm-hmm. And then his normal game plan was probably thrown out the window in terms of how to lock down a game. Yeah, Because well, we've, we we have shown resilience, there's no, undoubtedly, and, and this was like the polar opposite. Yeah, well, if you consider how... You- sort of like what the fuck and how surprised you would be as like a fan watching it i'm sure it's as equally surprising as as a player and even demry as a manager as what's just happened you're just like it, it is one of those head scratches that how much went wrong you know when it shuts a short space of time and then you like you say you're always chasing the game then and leicester did the villa what villa have been doing to other teams they brought on like their expendables they brought on vardy pratt and mendy and like a sionchu came on didn't he and absolutely clattered yeah. Duran with his first touch in English football. So, in final summation, would it be fair to say that Leicester did a number on us and we also did a number on ourselves? Yes, I would say so. I'll I'll stick with we did a number on ourselves because, I mean, you give cr- credit to Leicester for the tactic, like we said, of pressing the pivot man instead of the whole team. But at the same time, while they were doing that press, Villa could still have got out of it. It wasn't like... Oh, yeah. the perf- perfect press. It was like Villa had time to do something better and they still shot themselves in the foot. I think a, a real like number on Villa, if, if Leicester had been, you think, wow, they, they were really organised at the back. But I don't think they were. They were a sitting duck at defensively and certainly yeah. the goalkeeper. And that's what's frustrating about this whole game was we should have won that. You know, you can, oh, Leicester scored four goals, but we should have won that. And yeah. it's a bit of a theme, that one. You look at games, now. obviously one of them was under Gerrard, but you're looking at Leicester at home, Wolves at home, West Ham at home. That's one point from nine against teams who are beneath you at home, who even on the day, I mean, Wolves were probably the best of the, the batch to turn up to Villa Park and have a go. But it's short, sort of showing a bit of a theme that we are, and even you count maybe Stevenage in that as well, that we're not looking too clever against teams that we have to break down or we have to take the initiative against. Leeds was probably a different kind of game because they were like full throttle, but these teams that dig in a little bit and can hit you on the break, we just can't deal with them very well. When I say we should have won that game, there was actually two ways of winning it. It was going ahead. I mean, you know, we should have been 2-0 up at half-time, but not being stupid and not throwing it away and locking it down. Or 
because we're quite capable, as we showed, we you know if they're going to score four, we should have scored five. Yeah, because <laughs> we had yeah. much more chances. So we should have done them in a firefight or beat them as we should have done in a cool, calculated fashion. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, nineteen it's, shots to their nine. But yeah, it's just the, I don't know quality of chances. But but still, we we could have done them in a firefight. We had enough chances. Final question before we move on to medium muppets. Realistically, how much does that taint the initial bravado of finishing in the top half? Oh, I think it's I think it's demolishes it because it's it's like the hump game. You know, you talk about Wednesday as the hump day in the week. Villa, especially since they got promoted again, have never been able to get over that one game of season you can point to as like the hump game to just get over yeah. it. You go back to your Burnley away when Villa somehow managed to lose that game. There's always these one singular game in a season you can back to and go, it's like, right, that's that's the point when they had the, they had their chance to, to make a statement and make a leap of three or four places and they just fluffed their lines. Because this was the game that was going to say, no, this isn't like the old Villa, this is the new Villa. And that it would have been a defining, it's like, look, yeah. we've just played three teams we should have beaten and we've beaten them all and we're competitive against the top teams. This is the new Villa, but we just thought, eh, it's, we're not there yet. And the new manager bounce is gone. We're, we're out of that territory. This game would have actually been the new manager bounces over because we've gone beyond that now this is emery working his magic or it's like ah we lost this we're 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 the same villa at the moment yeah and i suppose with you know because we were out the cup we had the extra bit of recovery time and time to prep and you thought they should be you know two weeks better drilled under emery now when has extra time ever worked in our favor Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me the last time you won when when we had extra time (laughs) to prepare (laughs) the more you prepare these guys the less the less good they are I wish we played a game every every day. Like in the championship, just play yeah. Saturday, Wednesday every week. I think overthinking it is our, our downfall. Yes. Right, speaking of overthinking it, or underthinking it, uh, it's time for Media Muppets. Right, what's in the Media Muppet trough this week, Mr. Shaw? Well, with Villa putting in the, what you call a typical Villa performance against Leicester, I think we'll just go for a typical per- story from the Birmingham Mail as well. Nothing's changed, has it? We're still no. in the same universe. Anyway, yes. um, The headline was, Manager delighted after midfielder leaves Villa and a picture Ooh. of poor marvellous Nakamba. I'm just going to call him poor Nakamba there because, I mean, was Emery that upset with him that he's so happy that he leaves? Of course yes. not. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> <But> <laughs> he, never, he was never near the bench or anything. He probably hated him. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's that's what they want you to think. Of course, it's not it's not Emery that was delighted. It was actually the Zimbabwe national coach because now he's out and he's getting to play football. Ah, God, it's it's so calculated, these headlines, aren't they? Yes, and I'm also going to throw in Graham Potter into the mix as well because I caught sight of an, an interview Sky did with him about talking about the new British transfer record signing Enzo Fernandez when he claimed that Chelsea had been watching him before the World Cup. He goes, we were aware of him before the World Cup. We knew of his qualities. He was one of the players we were thinking about. Then watched the World Cup and thought it could be a bit more expensive. I don't believe that for a second. I thought it was just it's Chelsea's owner going, oh, he's the new shiny midfielder that's just won the World Cup for Argentina. Yes, let's just splash £106 million on him. Oh, Phil Shaw doesn't trust the Chelsea scouting system. <laughs> the Chelsea scouting system is like tap and go pints. It's like tap and go players. Any media nuggets, the other side of the coin, where there's actually useful information out there? Well, from a from manager that I think is overrated, the one who's underrated, Mr. Mr. Sean Dyche, who, to the surprise of nobody, managed to mastermind a win against the top of the league Arsenal. Because what emerged was more sort of information. Sorry, we need a media outlet for this. 
Well, I mean, it was across the, the media outlets. They actually got access to Dice's first training sessions at Everton. So you got footage of a bleep or yo-yo test, I think it's evolved into now. But the information is usually when a manager comes in, they ban what's the first thing that every manager when they take over a club Mobile bans? phones. It's ketchup. That's the ketchup. thing. That's ah. usually yeah, but no, Sean Dice banned something else. So this is his own words. He goes, everyone makes a mythical story that it's hard lines from Sean Dice. It's just common sense. You train how you play. So that how can you train when you the way you play if you have 14 snoods on, 15 hats and leggings, no shin pads <laughs> and white socks? It's just not relevant. So... <laughs> That's it. Like you said, Villa's problems overthinking it. Well, here's the the polar opposite, underthinking it. Just go out and wear what you would wear in a match in training, so you're more accustomed to it. Well, he said after the game, didn't he? The uh, the tactics for today were try and get one in the Arsenal net and stop them putting one in ours. Fair enough. (laughs) I wish I'd put a bet on Sean Dyche being the Everton manager while he was like five years into the Burnley job. Because it's just the natural fit, isn't it? It's exactly... Mm -hmm. There was no surprise when he went to Everton. Because that was... Frank Lampard was Everton's last steps of denial, wasn't it? Because, you know, you shouldn't have had Angelotti. You shouldn't have had Frank Lampard. You should have just gone straight for Deitch. We know who you are. It's just Mm -hmm. that you had delusions of being something that you weren't. So... You're not sexy. You're not sexy. You never will be. Just have your Deitch and uh, live with it. And, you know, I think... Have Deitch and eat it. (laughs) Have you died, Janice? And I think you know. I'll, I think he'll do all right because I, you know, I like him. He's he's a smarter guy than is, most most yeah, people think guy. he is. Speaking of smart guys, shout out to the My Old Man Said members, as per usual, to the guys and girls who help support the show. And for supporting the show, they get access to ad-free shows. So if ads are annoying you, this is one way to step out of that. Also, you get extra shows. We have a mad few Q&A coming up. Uh, you would have had uh, access uh, last week to the kind of inside track on the on the sponsorship discussion, which would have made you uh, the most knowledgeable Villa fan at Villa Park on Saturday. Also, you get access to Match Club, and we will be meeting up uh, on the day of the Manchester City game online to do kind of it's like a live podcast but uh, a lot more interactive than that where everybody can get involved but match club is a 24 7 lifestyle choice anyway so please do go to uh, com and click on the membership link for more details to uh, join up there big thank you for the new members of the last week darren barkley rob mcelroy willis moore baba ganoush Dan Lowry and Chad Jobin, uh, massive thank you uh, to you guys for joining up. If you uh, join up also uh, as an annual member, you do get uh, 10% off, which is just over a month free. So go to myomanshead.com, click on the members link and join us. Right, three points. Point number one, record January transfer window. Absolutely madness. This is probably why uh, Villa Twitter was frustrated not getting more bodies in because a bit of a uh, mad one for the Premier League whose gross spend of $815 during uh, the January window was the largest ever, 90% higher than the previous record, which was $430 in 2018. Even deadline day expenditure was a new record of $275 million, an increase of 83% over the previous record, also in 2018. Chelsea uh, accounted for 37% of the total league spend. So even without Chelsea, it's still a considerable yeah. amount. Is it Forest? Because they? they normally buy about 25 players per. A bunch window. of randoms that they don't need. <laughs> yeah. 
Although Navas looked good against Leeds, he got them over the line there with a man of match performance. Anyway, uh, Premier League clubs accounted for 79% of the total spend across Europe's big five football leagues, which is the highest percentage proportion reported. It's just getting more filthier by the, the season, isn't it? Yes. Point number two, Green Football Weekend, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> this weekend uh, over the Leicester game. This is something that I knew was coming like months ago and I was just curious to see when the club would actually mention it. Uh, in terms, This is you know, Green Football Weekend. You pretty know what that's about. It's about sustainability and improving the environmental footprint of football games and football clubs. Villa didn't really mention it until like 24 hours to go, which equals token gesture as far as I'm concerned. It's not doing something with feeling, is it? No. There's a lot of things about uh, Premier League football teams taking flights to games rather than the coach. and uh, You know, this still goes on. So there's always this kind of dual standards. Uh, although Liverpool travelled to their match uh, at Wolves in a coach that were, was powered by sustainable fuels with an emission saving of 90% on a normal diesel coach. Spurs' team coaches are already f- powered by biofuel for all of their home games. Uh, I must admit, when we had a fan consultation group meeting with Villa, ooh, it must have been a couple of years ago, when we questioned them on sustainability and whether they had a sustainability officer or somebody kind of covering that role, they kind of admitted they didn't really know uh, what that was about and that was something they took away to learn about, really. So this is still something that's not front of centre in people's thoughts when running a football club. Uh, did you notice anything at the ground for this initiative? Uh, no. <laughs> Apparently there's more vegan options. Oh, great. And they're using LEDs in the floodlights now. Oh, that's good to know. More bins on the concourse? There's a few things they can put in the bin, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, something they, they need to be a bit more uh, forthright on. Anyway, point number three, feel-good story. The top scorer in the Venezuelan Women's League played six months while pregnant. Lady Orbina had finished top scorer in the Venezuelan Women's Top Flight and been named in the team of the season, made it to the semi-final of the League Cup before realising that she had actually been playing the whole time while pregnant. There was none of the normal signs, obviously... Uh, Nothing was showing. The only thing that prompted the uh, Deportivo La Garena player to uh, take a test was uh, unexplained weight gain. She joked that she had narrowly missed out on the golden boot the previous season, but this time she was given two blessings, golden boot and a baby. So uh, a good season. Maybe we should inject a fetus into Ollie Watkins. That might... He's got another baby on the way, hasn't he, actually? (laughs) Well, he needs to be carrying it for this to work. (laughs) Look what happened the last time after... His partner had a baby. He was awful for about six months. Oh, dear. Sleepless nights, Phil. Yeah, we need to put the baby in his belly and then uh, the goals will come. Deadly silence on that suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) Surely it's something Emery is considering. Talking about Emery, David. What's an Emery's clipboard this week? Oh, he took the link beautifully there. It's like Scotland against England in the rugby. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great sporting day Saturday, wasn't it? <laughs> or Ireland against Ireland against Wales. That that was the kind of performance. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, Villa should have, Villa should have put in against Leicester. You know, punching down. A better example, exactly. Right, it's time for Emery's clipboard. This week we're gonna a bit of a little bit of a throwback. We're gonna go to touch count of a certain player, one that probably Emery is pondering. What is his role? How much 
can we play him? Is he just a from-the-bench kind of guy? Or is he somebody that can transform this Villa team for the better? So we're going to talk about the season so far. Touch count of a Villa player. I'm going to give you the name in a minute. I'm just going to give you the top and bottom of touches for Villa. Bottom is Duran, unsurprisingly, on six. Morgan Sanson, just above him, on nine. (laughs) Top of the tree, Mr. Ezri Konza on 1,191. Now, the player in question, which you have to guess the amount of touches he's had in this uh, villa across the season so far, touch count challenge, is Mr. Felipe Coutinho. Now, Mm. Chris will start, but you actually, you can pick a villa player and I will give you his amount of touches can pick two players each. You'll both pick a player and then make your guess after the amount of touches for each player is known. Do you understand? Do you accept the challenge? I do. Yes. I think All the Chris, challenge self-destruct. Chris won the rights to go first last time. So if you're listening at home, do play along. And also on a side bet, uh, pick who's going to win as well before we commence. Right, Mr. Bird, can I have your first pick, please? I'm going to go in at 500 no, you can you can pick a player. Yeah, I'm not asked. I'm just going straight in at 500. <laughs> is that because you're cheating? No, I'm just not asked. <laughs> no, you got to pick a player. This is the whole idea of the bloody game. Oh, oh, fuck's sake. Give me... Um, give me Buendia. Emmy Buendia. 741. Yeah, mm. All right, I'm going to go with Coutinho. Hold on. Phil Shaw, what's your player? Ooh. Give me... Look at Dean. 835. Right, Mr. Bud, now you can have your first guess. A bit more educated now, because you've got two bits of info. Um, 500. 500 from the butt. From the butt. From the bud. None of that information. <laughs> from the rear end. <laughs> none of that information uh, made any difference to his nope. first guess. Phil Shaw. I'll go 595. 595. Right, second player, Mr. Bud. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Ramsey. Jacob. That's the one. 679. See, the trick of this game is to know how many games they've played and minutes, but this is the beauty of the game because it's... <laughs> but it's budonomics. It's it's pure uh, educated guessing, shall we say. All right. Give me Bailey. Leon Bailey. 562. Mm. Mr. Burt. 485. 485. Mm-hmm. P.S. 450. 450 from PS. Right, for third and final round, what kind of clue do you deserve? I'm going to give you a clue, a helpful clue maybe. Maybe this isn't helpful. The 14th most touches of any Villa player this season. We've only, we've only got 16 in the squad, haven't we? <laughs> um, it's just Morgan, Sanson and Duran. <laughs> great. Um, More touches five, than Danny Ings. 5'10". 5'10 from the bird. Did you want to pick another player, or are we going for the kill now? I'm just going for the kill, mate. Yeah, just go for the kill. P.S. Well, he had a bit of 100 against Stevenage, does that count? No, um, this is just league. Oh, right, that changes things, right. 380. He did have a lot, didn't he, in that game? 380. He had all the touches. Wow, that is low. Right. Might be the winner. The pendulum swings back to Phil Shaw with his 450. Ooh. Only eight out. Four, five, oh, wow. eight. Nice. From yeah, uh, the Coutinho. 
the more we got into it, the more you're thinking it's going to be lower and lower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he thought, oh, he's shit, isn't he? Oh, no, he's gone all Scotty Hogan on us. But he's only made six starts, hasn't he, this season, which is uh, so it's all you need to know, really, about Philippe. Do you think his new blonde hair is going to change anything? I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> Reluctantly. I mean, he did all right, didn't he, actually, when he came on against Leicester. He made a few things happen and was probably unlucky with a goal, but he needs he needs a run of games, but... There is that kind of positive, wishful thinking, isn't it? Isn't there when he comes on? Because you think, it, go on, do something, do something. Yeah, you think we know what he could do. It's just whether he's gonna. Does it just add to the the chasm of disappointment? <laughs> he's, he's not a lost. No, co- he, he's not a lost cause. He's not. No. definitely not a lost cause. Yeah, I you tend just know to... he's gonna have one moment where you just your jaw hits the floor and you go, wow. That, even if that's the last thing we we see of him, you, you know he's gonna make something happen and it'll be incredible. He just can't do it for ninety minutes every week. Yeah, I, I agree. He's not a lost cause uh, just yet. It's a low bar. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. better not be on the wages he's on as well. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us and listening to the show. Please do follow the show on whatever podcast app you use, especially Apple and Spotify. If you enjoy the show, please do uh, leave us a, uh, a decent review as well to uh, freshen up that side of things. Follow us on social media at my old man said, and don't forget to. Join us, join the Facebook group, The Mad Few. The link will be in the description if you want to chat away with uh, other listeners of the show. But if you really want to engage with other listeners of the show, then the best bet is to join. As a member of My Old Man Said, then you can actually talk with them, converse throughout the week, and also join them in other channels that we have secretly. Right, thank you very much, gentlemen. And until next we meet, which will be before Manchester City... It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.